This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much for joining us again. I am glad that you are here on our journey as we seek to glorify God and create a just society right where we are. And today we're going to begin a series uh, on a couple encyclicals by recent popes, popes within the last 130 years or so at this point. And today we're going to be talking kind of as an introduction to that series on the history of encyclicals on social justice. The church has a long history of taking social action from Aquila and Priscilla to the apostles, to the saints throughout the ages. The church has taken a strong stance on social issues, but in more recent times, relatively speaking, the church has become more defined in its teaching on social justice through these encyclicals from the popes to the compendium on the social doctrine of the church. We will soon begin a look at a couple encyclicals, Rerum Novarum and Quadragesimo Anno. These two encyclicals do not exist in a vacuum, but are part of an ongoing conversation within the church. Now, it would be a very difficult task to look into the history of all encyclicals. I cannot imagine the monumental task that would be. However, in 1891, with the release of Rerum Novarum, a new type of encyclical came into being that dealt with very ground-level social issues. Now, why did the church wait so long to speak on these issues so definitely? Why now? What happened? Well, to give you some context around the first encyclical there, uh, with the Rerum Novarum, not the first encyclical ever, but that deals with these very practical, defined social issues, you have to understand what was going on during those times. Our world that exists now does not, has not always existed this way. Humans have not always lived in this concrete, asphalt-covered uh, steel girder jungle that we live in now. We live in a very artificial environment that's quite disconnected from the earth. And so we have the industrial revolution that happened in England to start with and uh, in the 1700s. And from that came the, the assembly line approach to jobs, factories, uh, and this, these concrete boxes that people would work in and these artificial means of transporting and working and all these things. Uh, 
And around 1891, when Rerum Novarum comes out by, by the way, Pope Leo XIII, the Industrial Revolution was at its height. And so with this, this environment that is forcing humans into this, this fake way or sort of false way of being and false way of working that's detached from the earth and detached from God's original purpose for human work, Pope Leo XIII writes and he chimes in in a very beautiful way. And in a very defined way, he's very explicit, and we will cover this encyclical beginning in the next episode, but in a very definite way, in a way you can't miss it, he defines the church's teaching on capital and labor, on socialism, on uh, capitalism, on wages, on the ability of workers to unite, to speak up for themselves and so on. But what happened with the Industrial Revolution? Well, one of the main things that happened with the Industrial Revolution is that it permanently changed the landscape of the earth. Now, I'm not going to explain the Industrial Revolution too much today. Today's focus is on the history of encyclicals dealing with social issues since 1891 when that encyclical by Pope Leo XIII came out. But I just, so I will describe the Industrial Revolution more in the next episode when we begin looking at Rerum Navarum. But the Industrial Revolution definitely permanently changed the landscape of the earth. Uh, from natural food growing to living among forests and in the farmlands and see, you know, the earth just being around us and under us. We went from that to these urban cities of darkness, pollution, and noise and artificial noise. Before then, the noise that people heard throughout the day, much like maybe the Amish would hear today, was the noise of birds, squirrels. Uh, squirrels have been thick this year. I've been. Uh, noticing how thick the squirrels are in my neighborhood and just been watching them, you know, and you can hear them chewing on the nut and hear them squawking at each other, uh, running around in the branches. But those are the natural sounds. Waterfalls, you know, things like that are the natural sounds we are meant to hear as humans. But now with this permanent changing of the landscape of Earth, we're hearing car horns, we're hearing explosions, we're hearing... Um, uh, the noises of factories, very, in fact, such loud noises that we have to wear protective covering on our ears to keep damage from happening to our hearing. And so we're, we're permanently changed in the way we live since this industrial revolution. Uh, another thing that happened is that humans became disconnected from the land. I would challenge you to ask yourself in the last 24 hours, how much time did your feet spend touching the earth, the actual earth, not a sidewalk, not a street, but the dirt or the grass? How much time did your feet spend? And throughout a year's time, how much time are, is your feet 
or any part of your body touching the actual earth. I would say almost 100% of the time our feet are touching the floors in our house, which are disconnected from the earth, the sidewalks, concrete sidewalks, asphalt streets, concrete floors in our shopping uh, centers and stores, the you know, the concrete under our feet in the place where we work in our office buildings or factories or wherever, but we are so disconnected now from the land. Another thing the industrial revolution did is it made humans into cogs in the machine. So there's no autonomy as a human anymore. We are just mere cogs in the machine. And our job is to keep the machine running. The Industrial Revolution also places humans in that unnatural environment. It is not natural for humans to be in concrete boxes, glass high-rises, uh, you know, the, even the cars that we drive, the car I drove to get to the studio to do this podcast on these freeways, not at all natural for the way the human body was made. We were made to use the two legs God gave us and walk places. Uh, and so even, you know, in ancient times, if they did need to get places quicker, they used horses. Well, a horse is still a creature of God. It's not some artificial machine that's pouring out pollution. The other thing the Industrial Revolution brought about in studies that I've looked at have shown that there's been mass mental illness that came about. So the, the rates of mental illness have skyrocketed since this artificial environment was created. Child labor. Now, child labor existed before the Industrial Revolution, but it exponentially rose in the amount of child labor that happened. In fact, my favorite author, Charles Dickens, talks uh, much about child labor and that came from his own experience of having to work in a factory as a boy. And then, of course, the final thing I want to bring out about the Industrial Revolution is then you've got mass pollution. Like, the, the amount of pollution now is, is an ongoing, top-notch conversation nowadays. And even a few places I was uh, researching talked about that there's been a... a exponential rise in the amount of creatures becoming extinct since the industrial revolution. So we have a world that we have greatly damaged and we've also damaged humans greatly in the process and families. So in the midst of this bleak picture, Pope Leo the 13th shows up and writes this encyclical on uh, capital and labor. And he speaks into the conversation. Here's what the church has to say about it. So in the midst of this, the church began to define its social teaching because we were no longer dealing with localized or regional injustices, but we're de now dealing with a global machine that threatened to oppress everyone. Might we say the matrix? <laughs> was in full force up to this point the, there were you know of course some uh what we would call worldwide injustices maybe like the roman empire you know these different empires but still their their influence was limited it, they, it didn't cover 
the whole planet. At no point was the Roman Empire even close to covering the whole planet and its influence. However, now, in 1891, Pope Leo XIII is seeing a matrix that has been perfected, so to speak, and in that, it, we're no longer dealing with local injustices or regionals, but we're dealing with a global injustice that threatened humans, threatened animals and plants, threatened the earth, the environment. And so uh, as a man of God, he had to say something and the church needed to speak into this. So let's get into a brief history. What I'm going to do is name some of the encyclicals that have come out since Rerum Navarum in 1891 and just kind of give you a brief synopsis of what each encyclical covered, maybe to whet your appetite and to hopefully read it. And if some of them, one or more of them catches your attention, I encourage you to get a copy of it and you more than likely can get it off of the Vatican's website as well and just read it and allow its principles to soak into your mind and soul and take action on what the popes are and the church is calling us to. So the first one uh, by Pope Leo XIII in 1891, of course, Rerum Novarum, which we're going to cover in depth in our first series. And then Quadragissimo Anno, which is the kind of the follow-up by Pope Pius XI in 1931. And that's significant because that's when the Nazis start really coming into to their uh, height in Germany and in Europe. But this, the title of that means the 40th year. And so 40 years, exactly after Rerum Novarum, Pope Pius XI does a follow-up encyclical to expand on the ideas of Rerum Novarum, as uh, the title, again, would suggest. It deals with, while Rerum Novarum is dealing with socialism, cap, runaway capitalism, uh, and a you know, oppression of wages, terrible working conditions, the damage to the family, to the human body, and these other themes, the Quadragissimo Anno talks about uh, the working conditions themselves and the state of the economic systems of the world. And the Pope speaks into that. We have one that came out in, by Pope John the 23rd, in 1963 dealing with peace and how that must come through mutual trust and through relationships it can't come through force it can't come through you know these artificial means has to come through mutual trust and relationship Popolorum progressio by pope paul the sixth in 1967 which is a very significant encyclical it's referred to a lot in, in round social justice circles, but this encyclical gives attention to the increasing marginalization of the poor. And we definitely, I mean, that was in 1967. Now uh, we're at the last couple days of 2023 as I'm recording this. So as we enter the year 2024, the marginalization of the poor is exponentially greater than it was even in 1967. But Pope Paul VI in that encyclical explores the essential elements of integral human development and conditions necessary for growth and solidarity among 
all people. Now, I may mispronounce some of these encyclicals. They're obviously all uh, titled in Latin, although when you read them, they're, you can read them in English and other languages, but they're always titled in Latin, and I did not research enough how to pronounce every title. I was more focused on the ones I'm going to be covering in the series, how, how you pronounce that. But I believe this one is Redemptor Ominis which is by John Paul II in 1979. And in this, he confronts communism. Now, this is very interesting to me and significant because Pope uh, John Paul II, of course, from Poland, I mean, a man who growing up in Europe saw communism, you know, he was on the front row seeing it and he confronts it and Rooted into this encyclical is his emphasis on the dignity of the human person and his personal encounter with Christ, which communism, of course, makes it against the law to have an encounter with Christ. Not that that's possible to keep somebody from having that encounter, but they try. And the dignity of the human person, that is the problem in communism, socialism, and even capitalism, is that they do not recognize the dignity of the human person. In communism and socialism, it's all about the state and the dignity of the state, not the human. The, the, the human person is to just get in line with the state, whereas uh, um, in capitalism, runaway capitalism especially, and we'll define that more later on, but unhinged capitalism we all exist for the corporation. It's all about the dignity of the corporation and the humans just get in line to promote the ideals of the corporation. So Pope John, the Paul, the second, and this encyclical confronts that. And then in 1981, getting into the eighties, again, Pope John, Paul, the second, who wrote quite a few encyclicals and not just on social justice, but theological issues and just general spiritual issues. But he writes, uh, calls on the faithful to be involved in the transformation of socioeconomic systems. The encyclical underscores the importance of work as foundational to human existence. And by the way, that is very central to Catholic social teaching is that humans should have the freedom and given the opportunity to work a meaningful job that supports the needs of their families. So that's a very central thing. And Pope John Paul II writes on that in 1981. And then in 1987, he follows up with another encyclical that deals with what it means to be fully human and how the production of goods and services does not define a human being. Did you hear that? The production of goods and services does not define a human being. It doesn't matter how many cars you can turn out on the assembly line. That doesn't define who you are. The amount of money in your bank account does not define who you are as a human. Also, he, Pope John Paul II deals with the failed development of third world countries. And we do see that in our day. Uh, the sad conditions. I've been to third world country. 
if you have, I'm sure you've seen this, but it, it's sad to see how the uh, westernized countries have very much taken the resources from these third world countries. A prime example, even though India is now a developed country, uh, back in the day, England, uh, wow, how they just stole the resources from India is very saddening, leaving millions and millions in poverty. Uh, in 1981, Santissimus Anus, I believe would be how you pronounce it, if you're a priest who uh, regularly celebrates the traditional Latin Mass, feel free to correct me in the emails. I'm up for a good correction on Latin and a good lesson on it as well. But Pope John Paul II in this encyclical in 1991 writes this on the 100th anniversary of Rerum Novarum. Now, we're going to be covering this in our next episode and beginning a, a detailed series on this encyclical. But notice how significant it is to the popes, because you've got Pope Pius XI writing an encyclical on the 40th anniversary of that encyclical. Now we've got, in 1991, Pope John Paul II writing on the 100th anniversary of Rerum Novarum. And so the encyclical provides a critique on the current economic systems. Now imagine the economic systems in 1891. And then imagine the economic systems in 1931 with the, the encyclical on the 40th anniversary. And now imagine 100 years later, 1991, the economic systems and the destruction they have caused. So Pope John Paul II chimes in on this and provides a critique of the current economic systems noting that in some systems, the collective human need cannot be met through its mechanisms. It's not possible for some of the world, the economic systems to meet the human need. So Pope John Paul II calls on nations to make an investment in the common good of humanity. What a lesson we need to be reminded of today. And then in 1995, Pope John Paul II writes an encyclical which roots the incarnation as the expression of God's love with favor towards the poorest and the neediest. And it looks at the challenges of relativism and the culture of death championed by abortion. So Pope John Paul II calls for evangelization as the motive for informing consciences and transforming culture. And then Deus Caritas Est, uh, Pope John or Pope Benedict the 16th in 2005, he deals with our need to love our neighbor. Now that should sound familiar to you. If you regularly listen to this podcast, love your neighbor. That is what it is about when it comes to social justice. The reason why we create injustices is because we don't love our neighbor and as St. John reminds us in the Bible, if we don't love our neighbor, we don't love God. Because, uh, and, and St. John asks us the question, how can we claim to love God whom we have not seen and yet hate our brother whom we have seen? It's just not a possibility. So 
Pope Benedict XVI in 2005 deals with this love of neighbor, and he shows that social justice comes about through cooperation and debate that is informed by the church. So look at that formula, cooperation and debate informed by the church. And then an encyclical we actually did a series on, if you want to go back to it, Caritas and Veritate by Pope Benedict XVI in 2009, the Pope deepens the church's social teachings by grounding them in love and truth. And we talked about you can't separate love from truth or you end up with some extremism. And if you want to go back and listen, we did cover that. But he shows, Pope Benedict XVI shows that justice is linked to charity and that the faithful are called to practice justice for the common good. That building a future peace, justice, and love is dependent on the fundamental values of justice and charity. And then in more recent times, Pope Benedict, or rather Pope Francis, had a famous encyclical that Laudato Si, in which he talks about the injustices we have done to the earth and how we can correct those. So there you go. That's a lot. If you were to read all of those, you would be a very well-informed person of justice if you have the time to read all of those. And so we'll cover them from time to time. We'll get into these encyclicals. But the church has always been about justice and charity. Right from the beginning, you see Aquila and Priscilla taking care of orphans in the city of Rome from their home. You see St. Paul being challenged by the apostles as, as he uh, is being sent out by the apostles to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. He said, the one thing they asked of me is that I would remember the poor. And he said, that was the very thing I was eager to do. And you see it throughout church history. Take care of the poor, justice, charity, uh, healing of the broken over and over again. But the world had gotten to such a mess by 1891 that Pope Leo XIII said, we've got to define this. We've got to put it on paper and get it defined for all the faithful to see and not just to read, but to obey as well. So, wow. There you have it, some heavy-hitting encyclicals in our modern times that come up against the giant machines of the Industrial Revolution, urbanization, Marxism, capitalism, and socialism. Again, if you were to read all of these, you would be so equipped to go to the streets, to the neighborhood, your city, and take on the injustices we, that we are just inundated by now. But just as the Industrial Revolution was organized, as it was carried out by a mass of leaders, so the revolution of love and justice can only be realized in an organized way by the many. I encourage you to read these encyclicals, or at least read one of them, then organize with those you know, so that you can once again create a society of justice right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. 
Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.